This is Lady Tiffany Ma, and this is My Mind Emporium. Welcome to my podcast, everybody. I hope you guys are having a lovely second day of Virgo season. <sighs> Let me tell y'all something. I have a huge release right now. Uh, I have a release. I have come to grips that I'm one of those people. I understand that people don't have to like me. But in my 30s, I'm okay with that. I'm all right with that. Okay. And that's fine. And some people who might not like you, maybe the people that you like the most, and that's fine. That's okay. It's no big deal. But you have to understand that at the end of the day, if somebody don't like you, They're giving you energy. You can't give people energy that you feel are a detriment to you and your feelings, okay? If you feel like someone is making your life a living hell, first and foremost, you need to have a conversation with that person and talk with that person and tell that person, hey, you know, I feel like you don't like me or I feel like you're, you, you're talking shit about me and I feel like you're trying to hurt me and I'm not trying to hurt you. And I want to know where things go wrong. You know, that's why we're adults and that's why we should be able to talk. But I have come to grips with myself and people will say anything, everything to you just to make you feel bad because they don't like you. But the issue is they don't like you and they be holding that in the whole time because they don't like you. And, and sometimes it's not even that. And it, all it takes is a falling out. And my thing is, a lot of times when I fall out with people, I'm over it the next day. And the reason I'm over it, especially when it's something small, is because I was mad in that moment or I was upset in that moment. But if it's something like what I told you with family members discriminating against you because you're not vaccinated, I would never forgive anybody for that one. I don't care if family heard me about that. I will never forgive you for that. You know better. You know what kind of person I am. But if you are mad at me, it is what it is, okay? So I'm going to start today off. Y'all know that I'm going to talk about today's topic. You know, today's topic is Lyric McHenry. If you don't know who she is, um, she was a young, thriving uh film producer that was on a show with um ej johnson and um she unfortunately unfortunately she was murdered and her baby was murdered as well um so we'll be talking about that and that's kind of dark but it's okay you know yesterday we didn't talk about a lot of dark stuff we kind of talk about some screwed up stuff but it wasn't really dark um, so yeah, but before we talk about that, let's talk about the fuckery going on in this world. Let's talk about this fuckery right here. 
Now, this is where I start to question people and their sanity. I don't understand. I don't get it. But this article popped up because God knows I like ridiculousness. Okay. Now, I'm not talking about the crate challenge and the scholarship challenge, which somebody got their ass beaten one. <laughs> Y'all can't be pranking your grandma and your mama like that. They don't be playing. Y'all don't play with your grandmama and mama like that. But um, at the end of the day, it is what it is. This article comes from People Magazine, honey. And it was published at 3.41 p.m. on August 24th, which is today. And it says, Belgian woman banned from zoo after having a four-year affair with a chimpanzee. You heard it right. Belgian woman banned from zoo after four-year affair with a chimpanzee. Jesus, please take the wheel of this worldly bus because I don't know what the hell is happening, okay? I know people say that human beings and monkeys got some similar DNA, but um, this is beyond ridiculous, okay? Addie Timmermans is banned from coming in contact with a chimpanzee at the Antwerp Zoo in Belgium after developing a close bond with the primate over several years. A Belgian zoo banned a local woman from visiting the park's chimpanzee exhibit due to her affair with one of the primates. <laughs> a chimpanzee named Cheetah arrived at the Antwerp Zoo 30 years ago. Over the past four years, Addie Timmermans had visited the primate every week, developing a close bond with the animal. Y'all don't speak the same language, so I don't see how that happen and when i say speak the same language y'all don't even i mean come on i mean at least with somebody who don't speak english we can at least figure out some words but we talk about an animal that don't speak yet okay i have a plenty of an eight theory okay i got freaked out watching the revamp of that he said no i believe they can't talk, okay? Y'all catching dogs talking, and y'all got two-month-old babies sitting up here talking. Right? Mm-hmm. So, but I don't think they talking that advanced yet. So, this definitely wasn't consensual. Okay. She said, I love that animal, and he loved me, and I haven't gotten anywhere else, anything else. What do they want to take that away? Timmerman says per Newsweek, we're having an affair and I just say that. Lord help her. According to the outlet, the affair Timmermans mentioned involving a primate and a woman focusing, hold on, primate and a woman waving and blowing kisses to each other from opposite sides of the glass to surround the ape's enclosure. The zoo recently expressed concern about lengthy relationships claiming it's negatively impacting cheetah's rapid with the zoo other chimpanzee. Yeah, because she's supposed to be fucking other chimpanzees, you stupid bitch. When Cheetah is constantly busy with visitors, the other monkeys ignore him and don't consider him part of the group, even though this that is important. He then sits on his own outside of the visiting hours, the zoo said. An animal that is too focused on people is less respected by his peers, 
We want Cheetah to be a chimpanzee as much as possible, the spokesperson for the facility added. The Antwerp Zoo note that Cheetah's fascination with humans is present because he was pet before joining the facility. The zoo has now banned Timmermans from making contact with Cheetah to prioritize his well-being. Timmermans according to the zoo of being unfair, saying other dozens of visitors are allowed to make contact, then why not me, news reported. Zookeepers are now working toward helping Cheetah learn to interact more with his fellow primates. You done turned the damn monkey out, girl. <laughs> I can't with people. Like, the, it's the girl. It's the me for me, girl. And then on top of that, the animal has no free will. So you are attracted to something that doesn't have any free will, dear? Girl. You need help. And like I said, Jesus needs to take a wheel on all wheels, okay? <sighs> okay. This next story is from The Shade Room. Its contributor is Daniel J. And it says, U.S. Justice Department finds that Florida and Texas had the most arrests in those who were involved in the Capitol riots. Yeah, no shit. It says, roommates, it's been almost eight months since the U.S. riots that took place in earlier January resulted in over 500 arrests, but two key states had more arrests surrounding the riots than anyone else. If you already suspected the individuals from Florida and Texas led the numbers of people involved in a U.S. Capitol riot, you would be correct. Forbes reports, according to a new tracker from the U.S. Department, the state of Florida had 56 people arrested for their roles in storming the U.S. Capitol on January 6th in support of the disgraced former president, Donald Trump, in hopes of stopping the inauguration of President Joe Biden. Texas wasn't far behind with a total of 55 arrests for their participant in the riot. These numbers equate to more than 20% of people charged with federal crimes over the riot being arrested in either Florida or Texas. Meanwhile, Pennsylvania comes in third with 47 arrests, New York with 41, and Ohio with 27. Georgia is Arrest per capita with 24. Well, yeah, I believe that because I mean, come on. As Montana and Pennsylvania both tied with five each. Additionally, there were also a few states where all where only one person has been charged with federal crime so far in the U.S. Capitol riots, and they include Hawaii, Alaska, Nebraska, and Mississippi. I said Mississippi, and I'm pretty sure the last part is Georgia. There's no way in the world y'all didn't have no Georgians in that. Come on, y'all. There's a lot of Trump supporters, y'all. Come on. All right, next story. This is from BallerAlert.com. I'm going to tell y'all this. I will say this. Um, You know, if I do end up in a situation to where I mother a child out of wedlock, um, I am a firm believer. I don't believe in the child support system, Okay. This is why I don't believe in a child support system with this story and other stories that have happened, especially when it comes to um, NBA players. Y'all need to be careful who y'all have sex with. 
um, this contributor to the story, this Cabbage Patch Girl, it says arrest warrant issue for former NFL player Clinton Portis after failing to pay child support owes more than $147,000. Former NFL running back Clinton Portis could be sent to jail for failure to pay child support after it was reported that he made $43 million during his career. You just now figured it out. According to the Aliquia Chronicles, a court order was issued for Portis arrest after failing to make a single payment on the monthly obligation of $1,937 for a child born in March 2015. Oh, so that child's still under 18. It was stated that the court found that Portis owed $147,962.49 plus interest. Damn. According to the Chronicles, the court also ruled that Portis has the means and ability to pay and has guaranteed income and has substantial retirement assets. In 2015, Portis sought bankruptcy protection and child support debt, on the other hand, are genuinely no discharge non-dischargeable. There were reportedly no signs the Portis debt was reduced in any matters as a result of bankruptcy petition. Let me tell y'all something. Y'all, pay y'all child support. If she puts you on child support, pay the child support, okay? It is not worth paying $100,000 in the end. But at the end of the day, y'all should be ashamed with that child support shit. Because it don't make him be a father and it ain't going to make him love you. Next story is from the Shade Room and it says, California high school teacher claims Generation Z is less educated and more depressed and without values compared to the other generations. Well, I mean, they're the ones who send up here canceling every damn body. This contributed to the article is China, and it says every generation looks slightly different from baby boomers, millennials, to Generation Z. While there may be some similarities, no generation is the same. As we are in times where social media and influencers are at the forefront of many people's lives for entertainment and still in a national pandemic, some may feel that it has caused a drastic change in high school students. According to studies, teen de depression grew 63% from 2002 to 2017, and teen suicide grew 56%. Suicide replaced homicide as the second leading cause of death amongst the youth in 2019. According to a report from the New York Post, teacher Jeremy Adams shared why he feels Generation Z is less educated, depressed, and are without value. Jeremy explained several reasons his students were able to identify celebrities successful Successfully, Kendall Jenner, Miley Cyrus, but not policymakers like former Vice President Mike Pence or House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Yo, let's not talk about the fact that Kiki Palmer didn't know who Dick Cheney was. I'm sorry, Kiki. I love you, but not you did not know who was the Vice President of the United States for President Bush. <laughs> Girl. Jeremy said today's youngsters are barren of behavior, values, and hope from which human beings have traditionally found higher meaning or even simple contentment. In his book, Hollow Out, A Warning About America's Next Generation, he further shares why he feels this way about Generation Z, the National Teacher of the Year nominee, stated. Okay, so he knows what he's talking about. Now, it is funny, I was looking at the, uh, the comment section, somebody talking about some climbing milk crates, yeah. <laughs> But that was some generation of baby boomers doing it too. I don't know why y'all up there doing it, but y'all are doing it. It was every generation doing the milk crate challenge, okay? You can't sit up here and say it was just Zers. I saw some older people doing it. I felt bad for the lady that fell off. She was crying. I was like, you know, but good and well, you know better. Climbing up the crates, lady. 
Next story is from HollywoodUnlocked.com. Its contributor is Jamal Osborne. It says Tesla is under fire after 11 accidents have been reported. What? Socialize, you might want to think twice before investing in a Tesla of right now. Federal safety regulators have put Tesla under investigation for at least 11 accidents involving emergency vehicles using autopilot or other safe driving features. You know, my mama said this was going to happen. Y'all sit up there using that autopilot and y'all sit up there sleeping and y'all driving. Y'all went driving a car and the autopilot went off and you still sleeping and you know bumped into an emergency alert vehicle because the autopilot is only there for a temporary reasons. Like tying your shoe, putting your shoe on, um, uh, sipping a glass of water or some coffee. But y'all using it sitting up there driving with it. And falling straight to sleep while the autopilot on. So I know why this is happening. This makes a whole lot of sense. Anyway, it says, according to the CNN National Highway Transportation Safety Administration, that's a lie. Can we just say NHTSA? Damn. Said seven of these accidents resulted in 17 injuries and one death. It has been confirmed that these crashes have been caused by having self-driving autopilot feature or traffic-aware cruisers controlled on that they approach emergency vehicle and cause accidents. Yeah, it was a cool feature while it lasted, but y'all got to be careful. Those things have not been perfected yet. This next story... It's from the shade room. It seems like Lil Nas X want to get the same treatment at Taco Bell as Tweety as Tweety as Sweetie getting from um McDonald's or everybody getting from McDonald's. But I would choose Taco Bell over McDonald's too because I love Taco Bell. Says Lil Nas X, name Chief Impact Officer at Taco Bell. This article contributor is Daniel J. It says Lil Nas X is teaming up with one of the country's largest fast food chain as Taco Bell has just announced that he will be taking on a major role within the company. So y'all know like Lil Bootsy gonna stop eating Taco Bell. <laughs> Lil Bootsy ass. You gonna make Taco Bell gay? <laughs> Stupid. Lil Nas X has officially been named as the Chief Impact Officer at Taco Bell, which is where he used to work before he entered the music industry. I did too, Taco Bell! I worked at Taco Bell too! Shit. <laughs> According to the Billboard, Lil Nas X is adding another element to his already crowd resume, and this time it involves popular food fast food chain Taco Bell. Courtesy of a recent announcement, Taco Bell just confirmed that Little Nas X is not the company chief impact officer, which will consist of a menu of activities, collaborations, and a company-wide promotion for his forthcoming album, Montero. Oh, Lord, Lil Boosie kids, they eat Taco Bell, y'all. <laughs> if you're wondering more about the honorary role, the chief impact officer will see Little Nas X combine the aspects of food, music, and philanthropy. Within the first two months, both parties will come together for an exclusive experience around the upcoming release, and he will take the lead on some menu innovations. Additionally, Lil Nas X will work with the Taco Bell Foundation to recognize, and y'all know it cut off right there. You go ahead. Taco Bell is one of my favorite fast food restaurants. I can't say that. 
Why does it feel like my Wi-Fi went out? With that being said, I'm surprised that's all I had uh, as news. That was it. Watch y'all find something else. Watch y'all find something else. I always find, I found something yesterday and it wasn't really like big deal news. But it was something that intrigued me. It made me mad when I found it. Uh, with that being said, that's the end of me uh, with the stories view. I want to talk about this situation. This lady tried to expose a family um, saying that they were abusing and sexually abusing the adopted daughter. But I don't want to give this woman clout because I need further proof. And then they said the family's, uh, the CPS came to the family's house and found out there was nothing wrong with the child. So let me tell y'all something. Y'all saw, if you looked at my post on Instagram, I said, be careful of people who are trying to race bait you into something. And my thing is, we don't know the whole story. And, if the, and the little girl didn't look like she was starving. She wasn't a plump little girl, but she didn't look like she was starving. But if they are doing something foul, they are. If they're not, they're not. So, yeah. Now, this uh, topic for today, um, it caught my attention. I was watching Paris Milan. You're going to hear me reference a lot of YouTubers because uh, I don't know the story until, like, now. But Paris Milan was the one that caught my eye about the Lyric Henry situation. Um, and I thought it was suspicious and they did not at the time had found the person who had murdered her and her unborn child. Um, but this story stuck out to me. Um, and I was, I was trying to figure out, I was trying to piece together some situations with reality tv stars because there has been a lot of weird stories involving them <clears throat> but i can't find a pattern i found one but i can't find a real true pattern but i've been working on it but this situation is involving she's not only a reality tv star but she was a budding film producer and it, like I said, this story has bothered me just like the T.T. Branch situation. You know, it's like a young lady pursuing her dreams and all of a sudden her life is cut short because somebody is a hater. Somebody is selfish. Somebody has to purge and do some foolishness and take away these people's lives because they're happy and they're successful. And you decide to take away that person's life because you're a selfish ass asshole. And I wanted to talk about this. Um, she was a beautiful young lady. Poor thing. Um, so um, with that being said, um, I don't know if y'all can stomach this. I can't stomach this. Because um, I just it bothers me. Not only they took her life, they took the baby's life as well. And um, it touched my heart. Because once again, it was another successful, another young black lady that was was trying to do what was right and be successful and, and her life was cut short because somebody is selfish and depraved and disgusting. Um, so today we're going to talk about Lyric McHenry. I hope you guys um, sit back. I want you to relax. I don't know if you guys can get a snack and some, some drink, at least get some water to stomach this. This is awful. And I don't know if it gives like graphic evidence because I got this from Ale dot com which is l magazine but um 
I don't think they're going to say anything graphic about what happened to the, the poor lady. But um, it just bothers me that somebody would think it's okay to do this to her. The article was written by Jessica Testa, and it was written on May 16th, 2019. What happened to Lyric McHenry? In August, a promising woman from a prominent family was found dead of an overdose, secretly 20 weeks pregnant. Her loved ones are still searching for answers. Lyric McHenry celebrating her 26th birthday last year as any other exceedingly social Leo from Los Angeles would by stretching one day of celebration into an exuberant week. Yeah, that's a Leo for you. Leos will have a celebration for a whole month, honey. She began the affair in New York City, spending two days and nights meeting up with old friends and colleagues, crashing in her young sister's Maya's apartment on the Upper East Side. Sitting on Maya's bed, the sisters, three years apart, talked until they couldn't keep their eyes open. On Mahinger's actual birthday, August 6th, about a dozen friends threw her a dinner party at Lucian, a casual glamorous bistro in the East Village. Her LA crew, I don't know that word, with her New York crew bookend by her classmates from Stanford where she earned a degree in comparative studies in race and ethnicity in 2014. One of the classmates, Rob Franklin, sat across the table from McHenry. She looked well, he thought like the dazzling woman he shared an apartment with in Chinatown after graduation. Franklin thought about how almost every Friday night when he came home from his robotic corporate job, McHenry would turn up the music in their living room, drawing him with her long, graceful arms to dance out his frustration. But that was a few years ago. McHenry has since moved back home to L.A. What? To try to make it as a filmmaker. Okay, so this is still sanitary. She was the daughter of a well-known Hollywood director and producer, Doug McHenry, but she was still hustling, working on screenplays and pilots, juggling five projects at once, living in the permanent state of talking meetings, taking meetings. Now back together, the ex-roommates laugh and drew Picasso-like characters of each other in crayon on the restaurant's white tablecloth. It was a good time, Franklin recalled. It was also their last time together. In a week, McHenry, who made the dinner table vibrant with life that night, would be dead from a drug overdose that made national news and fuel Hollywood gossip and challenged the perceptive of who would, who could fall victim to the U.S. opioid epidemic and raising questions about who should be held responsible. The day after the dinner, McHenry left New York for Martha's Vineyard, where she grew grown up vacationing with her family. Let me, before I continue this article... From my understanding, people were saying that she was murdered. This article is saying that she had an overdose. Now, I'm going to continue to read the articles to see if it's going to get straightened out. But from my understanding, there was a person who was arrested in her death. But I will continue. The day after the dinner party, McHenry left New York for Martha Vineyards where she grew up. Grown up vacationing with her family. She stayed there with her friend for a few days riding horses and bikes around the affluent island. On August 11, she posted a picture of herself on Instagram standing on the dock holding onto a bike smiling in a cropped white t-shirt, khaki shorts, and a navy hat. An idyllic summer scene. 
Maya smiled when she scrolled past the photos on her phone. The two sisters had always been close. As kids in Beverly Hills, May Henry used her popularity to protect Maya from girls who tested her from being chubby. And as they grew older, she invited Maya to hang out with her and her cool friends, the highest and rare honor bestowed on little sister. When McHenry best friend E.J. Johnson got his own e-reality show in 2016 after starring in Rich Kids of Beverly Hills, both sisters appeared in the entourage. Maya idolized her sister, who seemed to be everything at once. She was an effortlessly beautiful, stylish party girl, but also a debate nerd and social justice activist who volunteered on the Obama campaign. Yet Maya knew McHenry myriad interests also caused her some stress. As she entered the second decade of her 20s, McHenry found herself at a crossword. Applying to Harvard Law School was on the table, so was continuing to try to produce films. So was an upcoming job interview at Apple Music. Everyone knew she was going places, but she was struggling to know which place to go. So when Maya saw her sister looking light and relaxed in New England Utopia, even just on Instagram, she felt happy too. She was excited about the last leg of McHenry's birthday trip, Two days back in New York, ending with a sister's night out. I wanted to plan something cute and small for her, she said, which for Maya meant a private table at PhD Lounge in an exclusive rooftop club at the Dream Downtown Hotel in Chelsea. It was a Monday night. The sisters got dressed together. McHenry was torn between two slip dresses passed down from their stylist mom, Jennifer. One was blue and the other was bright pink. Maya voted for the latter, but then picked, went, picked out a pair of pink Gucci sneakers, which had also once belonged to their mom, to match. In her pink-on-pink pink outfit, no makeup, makeup, and long curly hair part down the middle. McHenry went out first with friends and then met up with Maya at the dream sometime before the midnight. The table came with food, pizza, chicken fingers, and french fries, which they devoured before getting up to dance. Drake and Travis Scott's songs played as the crowd swelled around the sisters. A few of their friends showed up, including Henry's ex-boyfriend. Everyone was drinking, but Maya tried to drink a little less, she said, while McHenry drank more. Now, this is weird because she was pregnant. So, nobody knows if she was pregnant. I mean, I don't know if the article is going to say this. Nobody knows if she knew she was pregnant or not. So, I mean, people think that all women have the same type of pregnancy. They don't. Some people have awful morning sickness and other people is just cloud nine. Maya wanted to do a sisterly duty, checking in on her, keeping her hydrated, but letting her have fun. It was a role she said she played before while partying with her sister. A few hours later, McHenry announced she was going downstairs to help a friend get into the club. Maya didn't want her to go. Getting back upstairs would be needlessly difficult. The rooftop was like a fortress protected by bouncers and elevators with other people's elbows knocking your drink over as you fought your way through the crowd. And Henry was already drunk. Her friends urged her to stay, Maya recalled, but she headed toward the hotel lobby anyway. Not long after Maya got the phone call, she predicted. They're not letting me back upstairs, Henry told her sister. They don't want to let my friend in. Okay, Maya remembers saying, just let him, just tell him to leave and you come upstairs, it's your birthday. No, no, it's just, I'm just going to go. Why would you leave, Maya repeated. I wanted to spend time with you. Don't go. No, I'm just going to go, McKinney repeated. Then she hung up Maya couldn't get hold of her sister again. Nearly two months later, Maya said she still doesn't know who McHenry went downstairs to find. 
After her sister left, Maya was interested in sticking around the dream. She had mixed feelings about McHenry bailing and going silent. Her sister was drunk, which worried her, but she also knew McHenry was horrible with her phone, she said. This exact scenario had to play out before. She assumed McHenry had just got gone out with her other friends, like the one she'd gone downstairs to find and would eventually crash with them. Maya herself had decided to sleep at a friend's place after leaving the club. People she reasoned stay out all night in New York City. McHenry's body was found at just about after 5 in the morning. No one called 911. A New York Police Department spokesperson told L. Police officers in the area just happened across her corpse draped on a drab corner of an isolated overpass about a Bronx interstate nearly nine miles but a world away from the luck stream she came from. The officer found McHenry unconscious and unresponsive. Emergency medical responders pronounced her death at the scene before taking her to a nearby hospital. The cops noted that she was lying face up, dressed in what they described as a pink top, underwear, and sneakers. She had a pocketbook, their reported indicated inside the pocketbook were alleged drugs. Alleged drugs. As Maya got ready for work that morning, she continued texting and calling her sister. Shortly after she got to her office, a creative agency in Tribeca, she got a call from their mother. Jennifer asked if the girls had just had fun the previous night. She told Maya she hadn't heard from her sister, who was supposed to catch a flight back to L.A. that day. Maya hesitated, and then she lied. Yeah, she fine. We had such a good time together, she said. At that moment, Maya still believed McHenry had probably slept over at a friend's house or a guy's place and on her phone, and her phone died. It wasn't a crazy idea. Both sisters had accidentally missed flights before from oversleeping after a night out. She didn't want their mother to worry. But then Maya got a call from the NYP detective with urgent business to discuss. She told them to meet her downstairs, but before they arrived, Maya's dad called. Her sister was in the hospital, he said. She wasn't going to wake up. At first, Maya didn't understand what he was saying. She was standing on the sidewalk, walk, walk, waiting for the police and screaming at her dad. When a panic hit, it swept into her foggy madness. Nothing made sense and nothing felt real. Passersby stared as she broke down in a, down in a co-worker's arm. Someone called an ambulance. Doug McHenry had learned of his older sister's death in an even more disturbing way. Earlier that morning, a, report had called, a reporter had called him at home asked if he had any comments. McHenry's death made the news instantly. Through her grief, Maya was dumbfounded. She had never thought of her family as famous. E.J. Johnson's reality show had only aired for one season and the sister had barely appeared on it. Yet here was McHenry being described as a reality TV personality and star by national news outlet. Here were paparazzis hiding in the bushes near the family's L.A. home. Here were stories about her mom collapsing and being rushed to the hospital where she learned her daughter had died. As of March, her mom was still in treatment center, Maya said. Oh. McHenry's death was imminently suspected to be drug-related and it was reported as such. An autopsy would later determine she had died of cocaine, alcohol, and heroin overdose. But it will also include a revelation that drove McHenry's death family into the tabloid entertainment tabloid's territory. She was pregnant about 20 weeks along and she hadn't told anyone. Since learning about her pregnancy, McHenry family and friends had be 
Kane convinced Lyric didn't know about the dead baby. They say she didn't look pregnant. They say she definitely would have told someone. They say a lot of women don't get their periods every month for a lot of reasons. And no, they said, they don't know who the father is. Even beyond the pregnancy, McHenry loved ones had tried hard to control the narrative of Lyric's death and life and death. They repeat that the same impressive resume detail and warm antidote they know is what they had to do. Otherwise, the media would continue making her out to be some girl who was pregnant, who was on drug addict, who had no clothes on, who was in Bronx, Maya said. Many of McHenry's friends won't talk publicly about her partying of substance abuse. After her ex-boyfriend briefly described McHenry developing a cocaine addiction to the New York Times, he refused to give any more interviews. Speaking to Elle, Maya said she began to notice McHenry experimenting with drugs at the college, but only on special occasions. She denied her sister even needed help, but stopped, shorting, stopped short of denying McHenry had a problem. I always feel like it's the problem with anybody doing drugs. It changes you. It makes you stay and do things you wouldn't do in your normal state of mind. It makes you feel like you're invincible and you already feel like that when you're young, Maya said. We feel like we're invincible and we can experiment and go so hard and nothing will ever happen to us. Two weeks after McHenry's death, the NYPD asked for the public help in identifying a man captured on surveillance camera that night of her death. It's a blurry, unremarkable clip. The man is wearing a black polo with white trim around, standing on the sidewalk with his hand in his pants pocket. He looked around, swaggers. He looked around, swaggers a few steps forward, and then turned to rub his chin, inadvertently flashing the sleek watch and fade haircut at the camera. About two months later, 29-year-old Alexis Mejia Ramirez walked into the police department in the Bronx where he lived. He told the detective he was sorry it took so long to turn himself in. He was scared. He was arrested and charged with the concealment of a human corpse and evidence tampering. He later pleaded not guilty to both. According to authorities, Ethan McHenry and Mejia Ramirez were acquainted. Her friends told Oh my goodness, I lost my place. <laughs> so it said, according to authorities, after McHenry descended from the rooftop club on the night of her party, Mia Ramirez and the two other men picked her up in a car outside the dream. The next time she was seen was on her back on the Bronx overpass sidewalk. As of press time, the two other men in the car haven't been publicly identified. Pretty much everyone agreed McHenry and Mia Mia. Ramirez were acquainted. Her friends told reporters that they didn't recognize him. And Ramirez attorney, Frank Rothman, said they had no prior relationships. While the McHenry family had described the three men in the car as drug dealers, Mia Ramirez had not been charged with the drug crime. He also had no prior arrest in New York, the NYPD said. Now he and McHenry met, and the precise event that unfolded during their car ride will likely remain a mystery until Mia Ramirez's trial later this year.
For now, Maya says she believes that while McHenry willingly got into the car to take drugs with the alleged drug dealer, no one told her she was taking heroin. I know my sister. I know that she has experienced experimented with drugs, she said, but my sister would never experiment with heroin. Never, ever, literally. If any, if someone was tough talking about heroin in front of her, she would be like, ill. McHenry's story is significant because of who she was, semi-famous, privileged, well-educated, socially conscious, full of creative promises, a mentor to many, and on and on. She's not the typical opioid overdose victim portrayed in the media, poor, white, rural, hooked on pain pills. But her death is not unique. According to the CDC, fatal drug overdoses have doubled over the last decade, claiming more than 7,200 7, American lives in 2017. With more overdoses have come more, more abandoned bodies dumped or left behind by, by friends, family members, or dealers after afraid of getting being busted by themselves, by themselves busted themselves, and not just for possession or distribution in response to the opiate crisis. The federal government and many states have been flint filing drug-induced homicides and other related charges against anyone who provide drugs that result in someone's death. According to the Drug Policy Alliance, in 2016, there was 1,178 news articles published about people facing drug-induced homicide charges. Five years earlier, in 2011, there was just 363. I kind of want to stop right there. I'm not saying the other part is not important, but this is a very long article. I did, have not made up in my mind what I was going to say about this, um, but I am going to be very sensitive to her family. And, and there still could be mourning. You know, mourning lasts for a very long time, especially if it happened recently. Um, so I, I am going to be considerate to the family. You don't have to tell me to be considerate. I will be considerate. Um, so I want to talk about this for a minute. Because it says opioid, but they said she died from a heroin overdose. So it's kind of weird. They said opioid addiction, um, but they said it was a heroin overdose. But her sister said it's not like her to... Um, do heroin which that's the part that I question because if anybody knew their sister it would be her you know especially if you party with your sister you hang out with your sister and you she invite her to be in the same circles and y'all know each other very well and you're very aware of your bad habits dying from a heroin overdose it's kind of weird if you've never done heroin or you never did heroin or heroin made you say ill 
And it goes to the fact that she was trying to get this guy, whoever this friend was, and this guy, she was trying to get into the VIP section, rooftop section with her sister. The club obviously knew something wasn't right about this guy, okay? You're not going to get denied at a club door. Trust me, I know. I've been to a club. Okay, I'm a weirdo from a small town in Georgia, honey. Nobody knows me. I'm not famous. I'm not well-known. So if I don't have a hard time getting into a club, bouncers at clubs know who not to let in. That's the part that stuck out to me. And the um, next to the heroin overdose was the fact that the bouncers wouldn't even let this man into the club, right? What did the bouncers know about this man? They clearly knew that this man was a drug dealer. And they knew he was a drug dealer because they didn't let him in a club. So he was a notorious club dealer that they dealt with at this club and they had negative encounters with him. So for me, that means that they have had situations where this guy actually could have been behind more than one overdose. Or the drugs he sold have caused overdoses of the high society in New York. Now, the difference between the high society in New York and... When it comes to New York high society, the bouncers at clubs are more protective of them than they will be as somebody who is at a hole in a wall. So to me, that was evidence that somebody unsavory was at the door. And I mean, her sister wouldn't know because her sister was young. Her sister was really young, didn't understand, didn't know what was going on. So she was like, okay, you know, all right, they won't let your friend in. All right, I'll see you later. I know you're going to crash in my place anyway. And I'm not pushing, putting the sister out there to be stupid. But my thing is, I mean, I'm thinking like a 20-year-old. There's several situations where I was in where somebody got left into a situation or somebody told me to drop them off at a bus stop or somebody asked me to take them somewhere. And I was like, okay. And you don't think anything weird is going to happen because like you're in your 20s, you're having fun. So you don't think that somebody would do something so or something bad will happen to that person. You just don't think like that in your 20s because like she said, you think you're invincible, you're young, you're wild, and you're free. So you don't think anything like that would happen. But, you know, now that you're older and I'm pretty sure her sister is thinking like that now, Damn, I should have went out there to see who she was with just so I can have an understanding of what happened to my sister. Um, so it's very suspicious. It's very weird. But did she die from an overdose? 
or no? They said it, the autopsy said it was an overdose. But how we know she was not forced to take it or forced to do the drugs? This story, it bothers me. And like I said, you know, it goes to show you it could happen to anybody's child. Get involved in drugs and, and, and you know, hanging around and enjoying and having fun. You know, it goes to tell you, you know, you have to be careful who you're around and who you're with and why you're with them. Because you just never know their intentions. Um, with that being said, thank you guys for listening to my podcast. This is My Mind Emporium. Um, I know this one was a bummer, but it was a story I wanted to get out there because people just assume certain things about certain people. Now, tomorrow it's going to be kind of a double feature, but I'm not quite sure. It's going to be like a double feature, something like that. I'm just letting you guys know it's going to be about brother plight. And these toxic men on the internet, honey. And I'm going to have a field day with this because I have seen it personally myself with these toxic men on the internet. So, y'all stay tuned. With that being said, thank you guys for listening to My Mind's Emporium. This is Lady Tiffany Ma, and I hope you guys are having a lovely day. I am so outie.